By the way, if, uh, I think kids are dismissed for uh, for for kids' church. Oh, she's still up front? Okay, we're waiting on that. I'm sorry. Forgive me. All right, so let's pray. Father, it is a privilege to come into your presence. It's a privilege, Lord God, to come together with the body of Christ. And Father, to hear your voice, to fellowship with you, fellowship with one another. God, to be in your presence. What an amazing gift you've given us. And Father, the fact that we can hear your voice, we can recognize your voice, we can know it. Father, what an honor. So, Father, we invite you to speak to us tonight. Father, we have ears to hear. God, we we let you know that we have ears to hear you. And so, Lord, tonight as you speak to us, God, we will pay attention. Father, we'll begin to recognize those words and those images and those thoughts, Lord God, from you. And as we do that, Lord God, we'll begin this amazing adventure, this amazing trek into communicating clearly and un- understanding clearly, Lord God, what you're, what you're saying to us. And thank you, Lord God, that we can take what you say, we can speak it out, we can declare it, Lord God. And Father, watch you be amazing. Thank you for choosing to use us, Lord God, to speak your word, to make a declaration, God, to declare a thing and to change our culture, to change our environment, to change our community, to change our families, Lord God, with your word, by your power, through the incredible brilliance of the Holy Spirit. God, we give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on in, everybody. Everybody's fine. Find a seat. Carrie's just, that's just her making that's noise. trying to... Turn on. Figure this thing out. How many of you? Uh, how many of you last week were here, and uh, you took a homework assignment with you? Uh, how many of you uh, were were successful in uh, accomplishing that homework assignment? Raise your hand high. You say, "I got it. I did it." Are there any hands? <laughs> <laughs> we were going to. Um, think of a person in your life that needed an upgrade, including yourself, um, in their relationship with the Lord, but in the way they present themselves, maybe for ministry, for what they do, uh, to ask the Lord to touch your heart with an idea for you, so and that you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit on that, that uh, because your heart needs refreshing and, be, and because your devotional life needs to continually increase and get better. And the second was be filled with the Spirit, uh, to go to a new place of joy and refreshing with the Lord, uh, to make your heart a place of celebration, have Him help you do that. Uh, you know, because God is not intre- God says that that uh, He, um, those that seek Him with a whole heart, I guess I'll say it that way, according to Jeremiah, find Him, and God wants us to be wholehearted seekers. So that was kind of the 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 backdrop to the assignment, and then uh, I I asked you for yourself and to think to come up with a friend uh, to ask four questions. What specific desire is the Father upgrading your life to? What does he want to upgrade you in, in your life? That was the first thing. What are the gifts and graces that are being made available for that to happen? 
So this is going to take some time in prayer and meditation with the Lord. How would you encourage yourself and your friend to rise up and occupy this new place in the spirit that God's taking you to? How are you going to? You, okay, God, you need you want me to upgrade this in the area of my life. Here are the gift and graces. How then um, am I going to um, occupy that? How then am I going to be successful in that? In other words, and then make a list of the scriptures that speak to those things that you're believing God to upgrade you in. Anybody at all? Some of it? Good. All right. Uh, all these assignments, good news. All these assignments are things that uh, if you don't get them in the one-week period, this is a process that we're encouraging you guys to walk in uh, every week from now until the Lord comes back for you. Hearing from his, hearing his voice, uh, understanding the prophetic and walking in that is not uh, you sit in class one week and you go, hey, I got it and I'm here, I, here I am, I'm, call me Elijah. It just doesn't happen, all right? So uh, we just encourage you guys to, if you didn't grab the homework assignment, to grab it so you can have that and you kind of meditate that a little bit. Week one notes are up here. They're the ones closest to me. Mine are on the left as you get there and carries are on the right. And then week two notes are the ones closer to you guys. Mine's on the left and carries on the right as you stand there and look at it. Make sure if you did not get uh, the notes from... Uh, uh, Week one or two, grab those before we're done today, all right? All right. So with that, uh, Karen, I'm going to turn it over to you. You can start us. We are going to discuss tonight one of my favorite topics, and it's just it's hearing God's voice and how do we do that. Um, we must, we're kind of backtracking here. We've learned, okay, we've learned about the Old Testament, New Testament, what the New Testament, Old Testament prophets like. Last week, we talked about prophetic words, and I can't remember what you talked about. What did you talk about? <laughs> well, anyhow, we're going through a process, and you first must be able to hear God personally and, and privately before you're ever going to be able to hear God for somebody else, and especially hear, God's, hear God for someone else in the public setting. Okay, so we're going to talk about hearing God's voice for ourselves tonight, and then we'll progress later on, okay? Um, whatever you focus on in your life is what you empower. So we want to empower this. We want to focus on it tonight. We want to focus on it in our lives because this is one of the main important things in our Christian walk. Because if we don't know we're hearing from God, there's no relationship. And we're all about relationship. God's all about relationship with us. He wants to be as close to, he wants to be closer to us than we want to be close to him, put it that way. So that's why we're doing it. So our sole purpose in, from hearing from God is just to know him better. You know, we want to get so close to him. And number one, believe God, well, the first thing we need to do is believe that God wants to speak to you. There's a lot of people out there that don't think God speaks to us. There's people that think, well, God speaks to them, but he doesn't speak to me. And so um, we need to realize, and once we realize that, it starts our journey with him. So the very first thing we need to do is be convinced that God wants to speak to me. Okay, in John 10, 14, actually, if you want to study the whole chapter of John 10, it gives you a good picture on God speaking to us and God's nature and what Jesus was like 
He's the good shepherd. He lays his life down for the sheep. It just tells you who Jesus is, okay? But John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd, and I know and recognize my own, and my own know and recognize me. The sheep that are my own hear and are listening to my voice. So if we're saved, if we're in the body of Christ, we hear him. Sometimes we don't recognize that we're hearing him, and that's the, the issue. It was the issue with Samuel. God came to him and spoke to him, and, and, he, and he didn't recognize the voice. He had to be taught, that's God speaking to you, okay? And they follow me. So we can't follow God until we hear God, okay? And we're going to talk about the many ways we hear God. In Job 33, 14 says, For God does speak, now one way, now another. So if you think you got God figured out and you think, well, God speaks to me this way, just wait because he changes it up. Um, God loves a mystery, and God is always about a mystery. But our relationship should never get dull because God's not going to let it if we don't, okay? Though man may perceive it not, okay? So God's always speaking. There's a little thing called a light switch, and that with God, the light switch is always on. With us, we're the ones that turn it off. That's a good thing to remember. Okay, Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus' nature is good and wants to speak to his children. Many people believe that God speaks to people, but just not to them. Okay, um, We were doing, on Tuesday nights, we'd go down to the college campus at SVSU. Actually, Morgan said, what are you teaching on tonight? And I said, hearing God's voice. She goes, oh, I've heard it. <laughs> okay, go home. <laughs> but she doesn't mean that in a bad way, though, because she really, these kids, when we started teaching on it, um, some of them were Catholic, some of, some of them were, it was, it was all a mishmash. It wasn't just non-denominational kids. But a couple of the girls, they would just light up when you talk about God speaking to them. And there was a girl in particular that came back, and she said, you know, she goes, when Morgan started telling me about this and the gifts of the Spirit and started helping her with that and everything, and then when I started talking about this, she went home and she got on her bed and she said, I heard God speak to me. And she got all teary-eyed. It's the first time she did. And she goes, and what I heard was God told me he loved me. You know, and I think God always confirms when you first start hearing him. He just confirms, you're my beloved. I love you. And it just set her on a track. Every time we would talk about it, you'd see the light bulb just come on her. And she just, you know, it was, God's real. And she realized God's real. He loves me and he's, he's for me. So we need to believe. We need to believe he wants to speak to us, okay? One of the things that will hinder us is our unbelief. Well, God speaks to the pastor or God speaks to Chuck and I'm just I'm I'm just a person sitting in the pew. Well, you're God's child, you're God's son, you're God's daughter. He's gonna speak to you. He he wants to, he's waiting to. Okay? You've got just as much permission to hear from him as anybody. So we have to settle that. And what we need to settle is God wants to talk to us about the little things in life, not just the big things. Sometimes we think, well, God's not interested, you know, in the small things. I was um, on my journey for hearing from God, and 
gosh, I don't remember when this was. It was quite a long time ago. And I was reading a book by um, Joy Dawson, and she was one of the founders of YWAM. And if you guys wonder what that is, Youth with a, with a Mission, yeah, it's out in California. And if you get one of her books, you realize the era she came from. She's got a big old bouffant. But anyhow, when I was reading this book, it was like setting down with a grandmother that's just full of the faith, you know, just taking you back to things you knew that you put down. And, and But anyhow, she was talking about God being involved in, in everything in our lives and being, he would tell us, you know, just the simple things, ask, and he'll tell you. Well, I put her to the mission, and um, we were in the kitchen, well, I was in the kitchen one day, and my dishwasher wasn't working, and I was a little frustrated because I didn't want to spend the money on getting it fixed, and some of you, if you've been through the class, I shared this before, and I was out there, and I actually was mad, and I said, oh, gosh, another thing that we've got to fix, and I was just really frustrated, and then I thought, you know, I need to get it together and, and ask God because it just wouldn't turn on. I, no lights would light up, and, and I went, God, I believe. I got myself together, and I said, Lord, I believe you can show me what's wrong because I had tried the the fuse box or, and everything, and nothing worked. And I said, you could show me, you could tell me how to fix this. And in, the, in this little voice in my head, it said, there's a three-second button, hold it for three seconds. I'm like, oh, shoot, there is a, there's a button that says three seconds. I held it for three seconds, and the dishwasher started. I did not know that button was there, first thing. And I went, yay. So it lasted a couple more years after that, and then we had to get a new one. But, but God will, when we are determined to hear from him, when... Oh, fix me. there. When we're determined to hear from God, when we're determined to, to go that next step, he's going he's gonna to verify his word to us. He's going to show us in those little things so that our, so that our faith grows. Um, there was one time we were praying at the altar, and, and I was searching for this one scripture, and I could not find it. And I just said, God, you can show me where it is. And he gave me the exact address. And I heard that in my, in my head, and I turned to it, and it was actually there. That's where it was. And you just go, praise God. You know, I'm, I'm hearing. And so it, it leads you to the next step. It gives you more confidence and when, when you ask that you're hearing from him, okay? So the next thing is believe in God's ability to lead us more than the devil's ability to deceive us. Because some people are really afraid to hear from God because they're afraid it's not God. Okay. Um, I was a banker. Yep, Mike. Sure. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a certain subject or... A matter, mm-hmm. and I'm afraid to. Should I really do it? And mm-hmm. and uh, then the overwhelming keeps coming on me. You need mm-hmm. to do this. Mm-hmm. And then is that God speaking to me? Yeah, very well could be. You, you do need to decipher if it's God, and you need 
you know, or is it the enemy? What's the message? Is the message full of God? Is the message line up with the word of God that you're trying to give them? And if those things line up and it keeps coming back to you yeah. and you've prayed about it, and then I'd say do it. Or just a spur of the moment without praying. Yeah. Yep. So I, I, yeah, I mean, if it's doesn't and you get a check about it and there's not a piece about it, I wouldn't. So, and that's what we're going to say. Um, uh, so how do we discern the truth from error? Okay. Um, I was going to say, I was a banker and what we did in the bank is we actually went over the real bills. We studied what the truth was. We studied the, what not the counterfeit bills were. We never went out and studied those. We studied what the actual 100 looked like. We studied what the 20 looked like so that we knew the truth. We knew the authentic. So when we study the Word of God, we're studying the authentic so that we, we know when the counterfeit comes, when the enemy comes or the devil tries to tell us something, that we know the difference. Okay, does that help you? microphones okay so we need to spend time in the truth we need to spend time in the Bible we need to get to know God that way because Jesus is the word okay so we and we also need to train ourselves to be with God we need that quiet time we need that time where we're setting aside for him and just him. Okay, that's time praying. That's time in the word. That's time listening to tapes. That's time, you know, that we're getting to know him. And one of the things God's been dealing with me about in the last week is pruning. And I'll just share this with us. And if you know, and John talks about us abiding in the vine and and that those vines will be pruned and so that it'll produce more fruit. Well, we aren't to be pruned for pain. It might be painful, but we're pruned for a promise. So those promises can, can come to fruition. So if we didn't prune those vines, like um, let's watch TV a little less. Some of the things that we do aren't exactly bad, that God might want to prune off us, but he might want to spend more time with him. Okay, and he's just been dealing with me on that, the things in life that I need to lay aside so that my fruit is more evident, so that I can grow to that next level if you did your your study, you know. So I don't know what that has to do with what we're talking about, but that's what God's been sharing with me lately. Um the closer we get to God, the clearer his voice becomes. Okay, the more you recognize the voice of God, the more he gives you those little things that you go, oh my gosh, that was him. I know that was him. There's no other way I would have known that. The more we recognize his voice. Okay? John ten twenty seven says, The sheep that are my own hear and are listening to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The sheep knew the voice of the shepherd, and they had their ears attentive to his call. So we have to be attentive to him. We have to set that side 
time aside. And we have to purpose to listen to him. And that comes with belief. I know a lot of times when I start to pray, I'll just say, okay, God, I'm listening. And I shut out all the voices of the day. I shut out the enemy. Enemy, you can't speak to me. And I'm going to listen to the voice of God. So now Samuel learned to hear the voice of God. And we talked about that yet last week. And I just talked about it a few minutes ago. He had to practice to hear the voice of God. When Eli told him to go back and say, your servant hears you, he was practicing. You know, he didn't go out and give that word to David or right then. I mean, he, he progressed in his ministry. He progressed in his calling. Okay. We need to discern the voices we are hearing. Is it God? Is it an evil spirit? Is it my human spirit? And sometimes angels speak to us too. I haven't had that, but, you know, you do have to, Mike, you have to decide, figure out what that is. And God will prompt you. There's certain times that he'll keep at you until you do it. And so that, that's good. As a son or a daughter, it is your inheritance to be led by the Spirit of God. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. This, that's something we need to declare and believe. You know, that, that this isn't, I'm not doing this just for me. I'm doing it for my children and my children's children, and that that will pass on to them. And that's a thing that we need to declare and believe. Now, God is multilingual. He knows every single language. And he's not limited to speak in one specific way, okay? He's spirit, and he communicates to us in spirit. It's a spirit-to-spirit process. Um, God spoke to Samuel audibly when he spoke to him there. That is one way that he'll speak. I've never heard God audibly. I don't know if any of you ever had, but he's come down. My dad did one time. He was told to go speak to somebody on his route, and he went there and spoke with them, and you know, that doesn't happen normally, but it does happen. He spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. Now, that's the main way that we hear God, or all of us hear him. It's in that inner voice. It's that prompting. It's that, oh, what was that thought that just came to me? You know, that wasn't there before, okay? Um, some other ways, well, he speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us in visions, dreams, trances, signs, wonders. I had a new one that was like in the fall. I woke up at every night for a whole week at 4.36. And about halfway through the week, I said, Charlie, I think God's trying to get a message across to me. And so I started praying about it because, okay, you can wake up one night in the middle of the night, but not exactly looking at your clock every every night for a whole week. And and when I started praying about it, God told me John. So then I went to the book of John. John does have that 436. Not all the books in the Bible do. And he was showing me the scripture. And right after that, that scripture, the prophet started declaring for the end of the year that that was going to happen. And I went, well, that's kind of cool. So it lined up to what was going on in the world right then. I'll quote it to you, but I don't have it right here. 
Um, it's about the Zor. I always say this backwards. Do you have it? Go ahead and read it because I don't have my glasses on. I'm trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. You want the scripture? John four thirty six. Sure. Says, it says, uh, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. You know, and then I started hearing that being quoted quite a bit right around that time, and I went, okay, you're trying to get a message to me, but I don't believe that was all. And then I started dreaming about a couple different dreams that, you know, were about the same thing. So God can speak to you in little, little pieces at a time in different ways. That's why I journal. I kind of put them all together and go, okay, I think I'm getting what you're trying to say to me. So um, the possibilities are endless on how God can speak to us. So we just need to be open to that. Now, Mark Verkler, V-I-R-K-L-E-R, when I was taking a class on the prophetic, he had four keys to hearing God's voice. And I want to go over these with you really quick because if, if you go through these, it's a good practice. It, it helps you hear the voice of God, and it, and it's just it. There's some things that at first I went, hmm. So hold on, don't shut down on me. But they help you in it. So number one, and I like this: recognize God's voice as spontaneous thoughts that light upon your mind. And I went. That is such a good description. I mean, it's that inner voice, but it's all of a sudden these thoughts that just light up your mind. Now, God speaks to our spirit, but it goes from our spirit to our mind. So if that makes any sense, because we're spirit to spirit, but it lights up on on your mind. And I've never heard it described that way, but it made a lot of sense to me. When And when God's um, inner voice lines up with our inner thoughts, and that's kind of what that does. It line, lines up together. Um, we can rejoice. We can realize that we're, spe- you know, we're hearing from God. Okay. Now, number two is quiet yourself so you can hear God's voice. Um, Elisha stilled himself. Excuse me. Elisha um, stilled himself by going into the cave to listen to God. David commanded his soul to wait in silence. Daniel went alone to his chamber and looked towards Jerusalem three times a day. Jesus regularly took time away from the multitude and even his disciples to be alone to pray. Paul went to the Arabian desert after his conversion so he could hear from God, and Jesus went to speak to the Father all the time. So we need to still still ourselves in his presence, and sometimes it's really hard in nowadays, we've got our phones, we've got our TVs, we've got, you know, everything that's trying to speak to us versus us listening to God. So sometimes it's good to go out and take a walk and pray. Sometimes it's good to, you know, find that special place that you can go to be alone with God and get still. Okay? Number three is look for vision as you pray. Now, this is the one I kind of went, hmm, Okay. And what he says is, picture yourself. If we can see things, you know, you see with your mind's eye. You're not seeing really, but you're seeing in your mind. If you can picture yourself at 
at a certain time as a Bible character. Take yourself and if you need healing, picture yourself as the woman that hung on Jesus and, and touched his robe and was healed. Get, get still yourself and then go in there and picture yourself as a Bible character that you need. Or when I heard this when I went, huh? And then I thought, you know, that's exactly what I did when we wrote the play, the Easter play. I, I went home and I put myself in the, into these characters and then God spoke to me and, and revealed what we wrote. And it's, it's the same thing. He'll speak to you in that and he'll, he'll show you things and he'll give you revelation on that. And go home and say, okay, God, I want to be the man after your own, you know, your own heart, whether you're a woman or a man, you can do that. And then put yourself into David's shoes and see what God speaks to you. And after you've done that, you'll go to key number four, which the Lord says, write the vision. Now we've heard that, we've heard this scripture because it goes back to Habakkuk and make it plain. But what we're going to talk about is journaling. So then go and journal what you've got and journal two ways. Because our communication with God is two ways. So then go and ask God, you know, journal what you do, and then ask God what he's speaking back to you and journal that. And these are some practices on, on hearing from God that will, will change your prayer life and it will change your, how you perceive God and it will change you hearing God more clearly because you're, you're going after it for one thing. Um, Oral Roberts was asked, how do I go about learning to hear God speak to me? And he replied, wanting it badly enough to work on it. So we have to work on it. This is something we have to practice. We have to get better at. If we want to be prayer warriors, leading other people and helping them, we need to hear from God. We need to, to be able to be on, you know, be in tune with God. So, um, That's what I have for you tonight on on that. Time doesn't chart. Oh, do we want a break? What we're going to do is we're going to, we, we receive our Thursday night offering. Let's do that. Um, there is coffee and stuff made over there, so we'll take a few-minute break. For anybody who needs to use the restroom, there's coffee in that room. You need to get help yourself, but we're going to bring our offerings up forward. So there's offering envelopes in the back of your seat. If you need one, go ahead and prepare that. And we're going to pray over that, and then I'll let you bring it up, and then you can get your homework or your notes. If you haven't got those already, uh, you can grab something to, if you want in that room, and then we'll get going with the second half. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for this opportunity again to come before you, to learn, God, to grow, to hear your voice. Father, to be in communication with you. What a privilege. Father, we also now pray for those, God, in, in, in our giving tonight. We thank you, Father, that as we give, as we bring our tithes into the storehouse, the devourer is rebuked. Father, that's a promise from you, Lord God. So we stand then, God, before you blessed. 
And with the windows of heaven open, Father, and you pouring out a blessing on us, there's not room enough to receive. Father, bless the faithfulness, God, of, of your people tonight as they bring their tithes and offerings forward, Lord God. Bless it, Lord God, to and multiply it, Lord God, that there's, there's meat in my house, Lord God, in your house, Lord God, so that we might be about the work of ministry here, Lord God, with abundance to do all that you've commissioned us to do. I thank you for their faithfulness, Lord God, and these amazing people in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on up and bring your tithes and offerings. Put them in the basket there. And if you need a quick break, go ahead and do that right now. And then we'll fire up our second half. Last week, we were talking about New Testament. And I started... Uh, some of what I was talking about, New Testament prophecy and stuff, but I didn't get a chance to finish. So since you have the notes, if you want to turn to page three of the notes from uh, last week, uh, which would be week two, uh, the notes that I gave you. And uh, there was, uh, I have... uh, Five points that start on page three. Number one was God wants you to be aware and informed about spiritual gifts. God does not want us ignorant about spiritual gifts. Um, He wants us to pursue love but earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Why pursue love? He is love. God is love, but love is not God. Just so you know. Right? Everybody agree with that statement? John says God is love, but love is not God. God is love, okay? So we need to pursue that, but he wants us to desire spiritual gifts. Gifts have to operate in love. It's the only way that they're going to be successful. It's the only way they're going to produce. Uh, Yeah, that light was nice, wasn't it? Number two, the gifts of the Spirit uh, need to be centered in love, like I just said. When you prophesy over people, they need to feel like they've been kissed by God. Oh, that was good. I mean, God hasn't called us to be prophets. Uh, there, there are those who prophes- who are prophets who, who uh, uh, bring correction, but even correction is done in love, all right, and, and brings it to, to the right place. There are those who, uh, you know, we're, we are, unless you are called to the office of a prophet, our prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort, all right? Uh, we all can hear the voice of God. We can all deliver a message. That's pro- the prophetic. That's prophecy. But it will be edification, exhortation, and comfort. Three, we're earnestly desired to desire. We are to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. I'll get it out. Um, uh, again, and, and those with those... I just mentioned what that was, edification, exhortation, and comfort. But we're to desire to do that. Don't let that be up to somebody else to do. You need to be before God saying, God, here I am. Yeah, I want to be used. And here's God going, where are you? I want to use you. That's the other side of that coin. God, I want to be used. God goes, I want to use you. Guess what happens when that when those two things come together? You get used. Okay, we're going to get into some of that. Number four, here's where... We hadn't got into last week. This is on page four. Prophecy convicts us of the glory that we all fell short of. All men have sinned. 
sadly. And what was the result of that? They fell short of the glory of God. Jesus died to restore us to the glory that we fell short of. That's the purpose. And that's the reason that Jesus dealt with sin so that man might fulfill his purpose in God, and that is that the whole earth be filled with the glory of the Lord. His God's plan to, from the beginning it was to cover the earth with the glory. God made Eden, and it was big enough for Adam and Eve to, to rule and subdue, even though Lucifer had been, Satan had been loosed on the earth. God put Adam and Eve in Eden, and he said, he said, rule and subdue this. And then he said, be fruitful and multiply. And he gave man authority with the, with the mandate of growing, increasing, increasing not only with children but with influence. And then out of that, Eden was going to continue to grow as it needed to become larger to sustain life which is a cool thing because God is a creator. So as Adam and Eve did what, uh, what, what after the image of God became creators and had children, they were going to need to occupy more territory, part of what your homework assignment is. But on, this is a kind of a different scale, but yet that's what's happening. Eden was to grow until the whole earth was ruled and subdued by man. And that was God's gift to man, to his children, you get to destroy the work of the enemy completely because when you rule and subdue the whole earth, there is no room left for the enemy. He's done. But man fell short of that. All right? So God's plan was to cover the earth with the glory that is God through man, through his creation. Now, there's two expressions of the prophetic that I wanted to touch on here. Uh, There's foretelling. And there's foretelling, two types of prophetic. One is telling the future. That's foretelling. Foretelling is causing the future. And I'm going to say it that way. Uh, and, and there's some different definitions that we gave you with that. And I want you to put them all in perspective. But I want to say it this way. That doesn't mean we get to choose to, on, on how we're going to cause the future. That means we've heard from God based on what the future is to look like. And we get to call it out. And by doing that, realize there's the power of life and death is in the tongue. We get the opportunity to make declaration led by the Spirit of God through the Word of God by the leading and the brilliance of the Holy Spirit to bring about confident, godly change and cause different things to happen than what they're happening now. Right? Does everybody agree? Example, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10. We're not going to read it all, but we need to prophesy to dry bones. And he demonstrated that. What do you see? I see a valley of dry bones. Well, what's the future for a dry bone? None. But he was told by God to speak to him, to prophesy to him. And what happened? Life. We know they, they, they grew they grew a muscle, they grew tissue, and they came to life. They, that was a cause. That was a foretelling, causing of the future for them. God brought life back into them. All right, and so dry bones. Uh, uh, that was you know life from death, and God used a man to do that to call that out, and that's part of filling the earth with the glory of God. Now, I'm kind of 
going through this quickly. There's going to be more to this. We'll build on it as, as we go, um, but not this week. Prophecy sees dry bones. This is number five. And speaks to them as God sees them. And that's part of not just telling the future, but causing the future. How does God see it? Let's come into agreement with how God sees it and begin to make that declaration. That's prophetic. How did God see these bones alive? So Ezekiel came into an agreement with God and began to call that out, and guess what happened? The bones came to life as we read about that. So we need to see what God sees and declare it. Example I put in there, beauty for ashes, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God doesn't go, oh, man, there's just mourning and despair. I guess they're going to be, you know, like Pastor likes to say from his old hee-haw days, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh, you know, <laughs> that's not how God wants to leave us. God wants us. He says, man, I know that you're mourning or that you're in difficulty or whatever, but I see beauty, not ashes. Call it out. Cause it. Cause transformation by how you declare and how you speak. There's power of life and death in the tongue. And God wants us to use our tongue prophetically to bring about his life into the situation that we find ourselves in. So not just to tell the future, but to cause the future. God is the cool thing about God. He wants us to be actively participating in bringing about godly change on the earth, causing the things of God to come to pass. And part of how we do that is how we speak. <clears throat> so are you a believer? Right. So we believe truth. Are you a factor? Not in the form of the fact that we believe facts. We believe truth, not facts. So we are to be believers in what God has said, how God is saying it, and come into agreement. Okay, the, you know, so do I, am I going to believe truth or am I going to believe the facts? Then we believe the truth. Okay, so I'm, I'm sick in my body, but God says by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. The fact is I don't feel well. The truth is I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. What am I going to begin to declare? Truth, not facts, Right? So three parts of prophecy, then, that I want to conclude with before we get into what we're going to talk about tonight. The first part of prophecy is it, there's, it's revelation. What is God saying? Second part of it is interpretation. What does he mean? That's where we begin to get into trouble at times. Because it, it, we, we can hear what God said. Sometimes it's, it's understanding the meaning of what's being said. I mean, after all, Jesus spoke in parables. Why? Well, he wanted us to seek it out. He wanted us, I said it to you, I think last week or week before, God loves a good game of hide-and-go-seek. It's to the glory of God, the Scripture says, to hide a thing, but it's to the glory of kings to seek it out. God, we're, our lives are hidden in Christ. He wants us to seek out him out to find us. So he wants us to seek him out for the interpretation. It's not just a quick thing with the Lord. He wants us to be intimate. Communication is back and forth. 
our prayer is back and forth. It's communication. It's not just one-sided. We don't give God a list of, God, this is my to-do list for you today. When you get that done, just ring the bell, and I'll come pick up all the, all the gifts and prizes you give me. It's a matter of communicating and talking and growing and becoming, becoming uh, proactive in causing the things of God to come to pass on the earth. And we get to do that. But we have to ha- understand the meaning of what God is speaking. The third part is application. What do I do based on what the prophecy means? So most prophetic word, words that are delivered have the right revelation or the right information. Most times we get messed up with the interpretation or the application and or. Um, you know, so we get a message from God and, and oh, we heard, we heard all the words correctly, but what did they mean and what, then how are we to apply it? So we need to, even though we get a word from the Lord, we need to get before the Lord and say, okay, God, I need the meaning of that, and I need to know how to apply that so that we just don't go off on some wild goose chase or, or whatever. God wants us to seek those things out. Don't feel pressured to say more than what God told you to say. And I told you the testimony about the, the woman who, <clears throat> um, well, yeah, but there was a woman that she said, God, I know you want to do something. If, if, if somebody prophesies to me, you were wearing a yellow shirt. What it was is she came before God, and, and he, he had a very severe um, um, autism. Yeah, autism. And God, I know you want to heal him, but confirm it to me by having somebody prophesy to me that you're wearing a yellow shirt. So the guy stands up. He says, oh, man, the Lord's all over me. I got to say this. There's some, the, you know, lady out back there, you're wearing a yellow shirt. And it's almost like Captain Obvious because she's wearing this bright yellow shirt. She begins to weep and he begins to go, there's got to be more to it. Okay, sun, yellow. Yellow is the color of the sun and the sun is rising on you. And he begins to do this other stuff where the whole prophetic word that she needed from him was you're wearing a yellow shirt. So don't say more than what God tells you to say. All right? Uh, Don't feel pressured. and Don't feel forced to make the prophecy mean something for someone. What that means to you, I'm going to give you a prophecy. Now what that means to you, sometimes it's okay. Give the word and let God tell the meaning to that person. That's cool. And then when God stops talking, you need to stop talking as well. Um, realize this in, in, in all of this is, is God is going to begin to move on you prophetically and as you're going to have opportunity to, to begin to share the voice of God. Um, and we're going to talk about it a little bit tonight. You're, you're not always going to get it right 100% of the time. But there is, there is a balance that we need to walk in as believers when we begin to move in the prophetic. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And we're gonna, I'm going to kind of compare Old Testament and New Testament so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. Um, it's rare to have the entire word that you're going to give. A lot of times, instead of, you know, I mean, I used to think, okay, God, give me the word. All right, I, I start with blah, 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 and I'm going to go all the way through, and boy, I, I better have all 12 sentences of this prophetic word and every idea and every thought and whatnot. And then pretty soon the time is left, and I never said a word because I was trying to have God tell me this book instead of God giving me the word. 
that would inspire me to obey. So we, we think before we can give that word that we need to have this whole thing, and that's just not the case. If that was true, think about this for a second. If it was true that we needed the whole thing verbatim from front to end, where is faith? And realize this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God, everything that we do in the kingdom demands faith, including being prophetic. Because God is going to, he's he's going to give us an unction. He's going to give us a, a picture or an image. He's going to give us a few words, and he's going to say, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And begin to speak. Begin to declare this and let me fill your mouth with my word as you begin to make that declaration. And when he quits speaking, then stop it, shut shut it off. But it typically begins with an unction or a picture or an image. Um, Something in part, not necessarily the full message. If you get the full message, great. Deliver the full message. I, I, you know, I, I don't usually find myself getting that whole message. I get little bits and pieces, and then we begin to step out. And Jeannie, I know that you've you've shared those things before. You get parts, and then you begin to share it, and God just fills that up. I know we're talking with Pastor or or Sharon as as they've delivered. The same kind of thing happens. They get a few words. They get an image or something, and as they begin to declare it, God begins to fill in the blanks and help them through the through the word. So the Holy Spirit. Um trusts you. Isn't that cool? God trusts you. Trust him. God wants to use you. No, it doesn't matter that you're not perfect. He wants to use you. So allow him to use you. Trust him when you when that happens. So the Holy Spirit will give me something that I, you know, the whole thing is I start and then I just I have to be a mouthpiece with what I received. And that's what God's looking for. Trust that the Holy Spirit will take that portion and make it whole. I got a scripture. Jesus is in John chapter 2. He's at a wedding. All right? So if you got your Bibles, turn there. Now realize Jesus doesn't just go to the wedding because it's a good party. He doesn't go to this wedding because, because it's known for their great wine or he likes vanilla Wedding cake with white frosting, which I do, by the way. That's my favorite cake. All right? Get out of here with your chocolate. White cake, white frosting, that's my favorite. Jesus is endorsing a wedding because the endorsement of a wedding is this. It is the sign. If we understand marriage, we understand the body of Christ and Christ. We understand that. And Jesus is at this wedding because one of the things he was promoting is Please understand marriage because that's going to help you understand our relationship as the church and Christ. And he's endorsing that. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get through to you this, this bigger message, this bigger picture. And I'm here at this wedding and I'm endorsing it. And in chapter 2, starting with verse 1, it says, on the, third, uh, on the third day there was a wedding at Canaan in Galilee. Cool. I know where that's at. I've been there. It was awesome. Anyway, just bragging. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. 
And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, Mama, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now it had become wine. He did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you've kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Canaan and Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. So here we have Jesus changing water to wine. You know, I struggled with that. What's he doing? Alcohol is such a hard thing for the believers. How can we drink or can we not drink? Should we drink wine? Should we not drink wine? Can we get drunk? Can we not get drunk? No, don't get drunk. All right? Get, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not drunk with wine. But Jesus makes wine. And I, that baffled me for the longest time. Lord, help me. And the, and the Lord says, what did he, what did he grab? What did he, what, did he, what did he see? Six clay pots. Six earthen vessels. And he said, oh, really? Six. Man's number. Oh, Really? That represents man. Oh, and what are you made of? Oh, God took the earth, and he formed you into a clay vessel. And he filled you. And then he says, pour out. And he does this miracle, this first miracle. But yet, as I was, as I was t- just meditating Wednesday, yesterday, or t- Tuesday, I told you, I, the Lord began to speak to me about this in a different way. I mean, the same, the same miracle, but yet a different concept a little bit. And he said, there was no more wine. There were six jars. He said, fill them with water and pour out what was put in. And what was put in was water. What came out? Wine. And the Lord says, there was a need. God looked around. Jesus looked around, saw the vessels. That's us. He ordered them to be filled. And we were filled with the Word, with the Holy Spirit that was poured in. Listen to this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness, is the one who has cascaded his light into us, the brilliant dawning light of his glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. Water is poured in. 
We put the word into us, but when God takes what we have put into us and we allow him to pour it out through the prophetic, through this declaration, God takes what was water and he makes it greater. And it becomes wine. So you are spending your time putting the word into you. You're spending your time uh, in the presence of the Lord in prayer and putting the word in. And then all of a sudden, God brings this unction and says, I want you to begin to declare some things to somebody. And the water that you've been putting into yourself, as God begins to pour it out of you by the Holy Spirit, it's not water anymore. It's something greater. And that word that you've studied that word that you've spent time just reading, suddenly the Holy Spirit has a vessel of honor to speak to, to bring glory into the earth, and he takes that word, that thing that you've just, to you, it's a yellow shirt, but all of a sudden it's far more than just the water that got put in. It gets changed miraculously into the wine, and it's poured out. And it's not just the old stuff. It's the best. It's perfect for the situation. It couldn't be better. And it's all part of this overall representation of Christ and the church. As the word is put in, and Christ manifests an increase, a miraculous move that represents him and how he wants to work within the church. So what you put in, God chooses to pour back out but make it far better, makes it far better than what what you would put in. So when it's poured out, it becomes effective. It becomes exactly what the situation calls for. The wedding feast called for wine. It got poured out. It was wine. We're not going to get concerned. Was it fermented? We're missing the point. Was it fresh squeezed juice? We're missing the point. God say, let me take something that can be considered common and let me make it great. Let me make it blessed. Let me make it produce something. Let me make it bigger and better than what it was. Let me take the word that you studied. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And let, let me pour that into you. And then when I pour it out, let watch it transform a life. Watch it bring victory. Watch it become miraculous in the lives of those that I poured out into. So we have the scripture, and by the way, that was in the, the Passion Translation, that, that scripture in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. But I loved it, that we become those jars of clay that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow, what's poured out of power, will be seen in, in God. So also remember, God is one of the things that with this, realizes God uses you, God is filtering his prophetic message through you. Let me say that again. God is filtering the prophetic message through you. That's important to realize. That's important to recognize. Um, You have different experiences than I have. Um, You've received different teachings than I have. Uh, Your ethnic culture. Omar and I have had lots of discussions. In Puerto Rico, we did this. 
In America, we do it like this because there are cultural differences that cause us to react and, 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 to, and to look at things differently. God's cool with that. Um, your national origin makes a difference. Your gender, you see things through the eyes of a man. I see, you th- see things through the eyes of a woman. That sounds pretty sexist. No, it's who you are. It's, it's, it's good. In fact, for you ladies, God says this is super good. <laughs> you know? And, 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 and so on and so on. So God is fine with who you are. You don't have to be a certain way or a certain come from a certain place or have certain experiences to be used by God. God wants to filter his words through you with who you are and what your experiences you've had. He knows his message will be filtered through every layer of who you are, and he's okay with that. It works just great for him. Remember, the message isn't altered or adjusted. It's filtered, and that's okay. You can't use your you can't use your culture to alter the message or alter the word or adjust the word, but but it does happen that it filters it, and that's okay. God's good with that. It, remember that God spoke through Jeremiah. Who was Jeremiah? He was the weeping prophet. Uh, he was young, and he but he was known as the weeping prophet. But I dare you to find a scripture where Elijah cried. Elijah wasn't known as the weeping prophet, just the opposite. But yet both are used powerfully by God to speak the words of God because God used them as filters, not adjusters, right? Um, So God takes us, what, his creation, and he puts uh, our unique um, flavor so to speak, into his message. And here's the cool thing. He actually trusts us because he knows we're going to share his message, even though it's filtered through us. He knows us, and he's well aware of what he's getting by using us. Oh, the prophecy was for, you know, for Tina to bring that genie. Oh, my gosh, she's going to totally mess it up because she's not Tina. I wanted Tina and blah, blah, blah. God isn't. He's going to, she's going to, Tina's going to filter different than Jeannie because of experiences, but it's going to be that same message. And God is well able to speak clearly through whatever filter he's bringing it through. And he's, he knows you. He knows you. He trusts you. He trusts you. He made you. He's good with that. And he isn't going to inspire you with a a prophetic message and then go, oops, I I blew that one. That should have come through Kevin. God doesn't, he doesn't make those mistakes. So he knows who he's getting. Any questions at this point? I want to, I want to save just a little bit. Of, go ahead, Connie. Hang on, let me come. We, we, we got to get this on, on. No, 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 just wait. Hold on. Hold, don't, wait, wait, wait. When you talk about prophecy, it doesn't have to necessarily be scripture, but is it sometimes just scripture that you're giving to someone when they need it? Or is it both? What? Yeah, it, it absolutely. God will God will use scripture verbatim. 
or God will use Scripture in the form of uh, um, surmising it. It's going to all be scriptural. It's all going to line up biblically. Um, and he's going to use both. There are times that you're going to be inspired to give somebody a specific scripture. I mean, we've shared those things and, and, and testified how that works. And there's other times that, that God is going to bring something that, that to help you. It's going to be scriptural that helps them understand or relate. I know Marilyn Hickey, when she prophesies, she always gives them a word before she prophesies. You know, she does what? Always has a scripture, a scripture that she shares with them. That's her filter. You know, she that's the way she does things. But yeah, God, yeah, that's the best word. You no, no. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but so what I want to do is 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 uh, I have a word for you tonight. From the Lord, um, and, and and you know, Karen and I, we we try to ask God, God, what is the word? And the Lord, I mean, we were in prayer beforehand. He's sitting here, and finally, I said, I asked Carrie, do you have something? No. And and isn't it like God to wait to the last minute? As we were sitting here praying, finally, I went, oh, I got it. He just told me. You guys ready? All right. Here we go. This is exciting. Why don't you close your eyes? All right, and I just want you to get in his presence for a second. Here's the word. That's the word. All right, you can go ahead and look at me again. Now, what's the interpretation? As you closed your eyes and I began to speak in tongues, some of you had a phrase. It just began to pop into your head. Some of you had an image. Some of you maybe saw a picture. God began to inspire prophetically to you guys. Because one of the ways to prophesy is a tongue and interpretation. The word I had from the Lord for you was to bring a message in tongues. And let the Lord begin to use you to prophesy. I just had three words that came to me, and it was, God is great. That was it. Does that line up scripture? Is God great? Absolutely he is. Does that, does that help somebody? It will. Absolutely it will. There's some of you right here tonight that, that begin to question, is God great because of what I'm going through? You don't mean to. But your circumstances are difficult, and you can begin to question. And so here comes a prophetic tongue and begins to follow with an interpretation, not necessarily a translation, an interpretation. I've heard tongues that were just a short blah, 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 and the 
interpretation went on and on and on and on. Not that it wasn't God. It was God. And I've also heard tongues that went on and on and on and on, and the interpretation was a short little, there, there it is. I remember Becky, though, the first time she heard a tongue, I think it was at this church, and I brought the tongue, and she was paying really close attention to the phrasing of the tongue to test it. And then I brought the interpretation, and I had never realized this until she told me that, she, was, she goes, because you in the tongue, you, you were repeating some things. And I was waiting in the interpretation for those things to be repeated. Were they? They were. <laughs> but that's what you needed. So not only was there a word, but God confirmed by, you know, a, despite me using me <laughs> and, and bringing about revelation that this was God. The word didn't even really mean anything to her, but the revelation that, oh, that was God, set her free that, oh, tongues are of the God. Who else had some of that interpretation? And you go, well, could there be more than one interpretation? Oh, yes. There can be one tongue and in, in many interpretations. Why? Because when as we begin to recognize that the voice of the prophets are subject to the prophets and God is speaking, and, and so somebody needs to know God is great, but yet in that message... Can I share too? Go ahead. While you're doing Becky, 1 Corinthians 14.31 says, To prophesy one by one that all may learn. So the emphasis was on the training. The emphasis was those who are developing use their prophetic gifting. So that's why he was saying one by one. So that just goes with that. So my question is, you know how sometimes we have a, a tongue that's given and then we wait for the interpretation and sometimes it's just dead silence and you're just like, okay, who's got this interpretation? And then someone steps out. Is Are there times where it's just that step, like I don't have anything, but I'm going to step out in faith and trust that God's going to give that to me? Or should you always have an interpretation before you step up and give it. If you, if you give a tongue, and, and this is what I normally teach, then, then God will give you the interpretation or allow you to interpret if nobody else does it. There's many times that I know God wants to use somebody else. Yeah. And, and if nobody steps up, I, I will give the interpretation. But, but, I, but I think you need an unction. You do. You know, you need a word. You need, you could be something or that where God's just churning and you know you need to step out. I just, I think I'd wait for an unction. I just have a question for everybody. Did anybody hear anything about Jesus Christ as our Savior toward the end? Did anybody hear Jesus as our Savior? Anybody get that image? You might, it might have been part of what you needed to say. And you just did. Good job. Yeah? Okay. Well, I saw an image that I mean, made me think of that. I, I saw Jesus holding a black sheep, and then it suddenly changed to the person being held to his chest. And it was like the overwhelming, unconditional love that he has. Mm -hmm. That was what... Amen. Yeah. Amen. Totally agree. That's God. That's mm -hmm. and that that follow that image follows mm -hmm. 
Gary, what you just had right there. Who will raise their hand over here? I saw two hands go up. I, I just saw the image of Jesus. That's what I saw. I like that image. Uh, yes. Um, I hope not to swim too deep with this one. Um, okay. Um, the the listening to God is the key to keep listening to him and receiving from him, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and we know there's people that walk with God and there's people that walk with the enemy that they're demonic and there's people that not necessarily go to church but they don't claim the other guy so why there's people that they have visions or they say things my grandma she will tell people things and she wasn't a medium or she didn't have a relationship with god mm -hmm. and she didn't pray or nothing but sometimes somebody will come in or in in, in the neighborhood it was really bad She will say to that kid, hey, listen to me. Don't go that way. Go the other. Listen to me. I know what I'm saying to you. Well, Things like that. I think God's put a gifting in us. And when we're born again, that gifting comes out, whether you're using the gifting in the right spirit or not. Now, when you're born again, you're using it in the right spirit. But she might. Your family has a prophetic gifting in your family. So she's acting in that prophetic gifting. Whether it was the right spirit or not, I can't tell you. I don't believe until she's born again that she can because she doesn't have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But there is, because we talk about our lives are hidden in Christ, and when, when we're saved, those start to be revealed because of Christ. Well, those things are implanted in us, so they become revealed. But she could be acting what, on a wrong spirit. So when she's born again, do you understand what I'm trying to say? You know, in some of the things, when you're not born again, um, you know, the gift of God is still yeah. there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there, there are, have you ever been around somebody that just has mood swings? One minute they're happy and ha, 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 and then they, oh, they're crying and then they're happy and, they're, and then they're angry and you just go, man, you talk about a roller coaster. You're going to find out when they're born again, more than likely, that they discern. They have the gift of discerning. And so they get around somebody who's happy, and they're discerning that, and they're going, hey, hey, and they walk over to somebody who's not so happy, and they're, oh. And, and what's, what they're picking up on is, is that discernment. And all of a sudden, their emotions are, are responding to what their spirit is perceiving, and they're not realizing it, and so we medicate them. We'll fix you. We'll fix you. And, and God's going, oh, my goodness, just introduce them to me, and I'm going to use them powerfully. And we'll say, no, let me give you some medicine and tap that down. So you can have those giftings, but without the brilliant Holy Spirit to teach us and lead us into truth, they can become confusing. Does that mean God is bad? No, 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 no. God is good all the time, and his gifts are great. But we need to know him so that we can operate successfully in those gifts. And you'll find out people who operate in prophetic or see things that are not from God, they just need to get born again. Then all of a sudden, they'll step right out in godly visions and godly 
manifestations of those things. But the enemy is definitely going to try to use that gifting that is not tempered and, and not being led by the Holy Spirit and say, let me help you out with some bad stuff. Because his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. Okay, but God, you're God, you're born with those gifts inside you. You're born with with the, the gifts and talents of God. And, and and so it's up to us to raise a child in the way they should go. And that's more than just teach them the scripture. That's recognized gifts, that's recognized talents, and that's that's culture those and develop those and and bring a bring to pass those godly attributes that God has already put into your children out in a godly way, backed with the word and backed with the with spiritual insight so they can be successful in the kingdom. So recognize the fact that your son is an apostle and cultivate that within him. Or and recognize that he's an one of them is an artist and give him a piece of paper and some colored pencils and begin to encourage him to draw or whatever. Or they're a musician or they're a singer or they love mathematics or whatever it is. They they they, they can't find themselves to play with anything but their toy tractor, right, Ben? <clears throat> Get them then in a big old John Deere and turn them loose in the back 4,000 acre. <laughs> 40 is not big enough for Ben Javin. In the back 4,000 and let them raise some corn, man. Because that's what is in them to do. And because realize this, it, even, even in the prophetic, God has called us all to be in ministry, but not all of us are called to be fivefold ministry. Not all of us are even called to be worship leaders or, or, or uh, you know, or, uh, or, or youth pastors or anything else. God has called this huge army uh, to be in the world. God needs prophets to the corporate world. God needs prophets to the farming world. God needs prophets to Hollywood world. Political. Political, especially. God and, and so and God wants mouthpieces who are going to be in those environments, educated to do those things, but yet able to speak directly the heart of God, the voice of God, with understanding of the environment that they're in. So we, we're raising up, the church is terrible at this, raising up their young children, and everybody has to be either on the mission field or a youth pastor or a worship leader or a pastor. And God's going, I got a whole bunch of stuff to do out there, and that has nothing to do with any of it. I need them in the workplace. I need born-again meat cutters. Cha-ching, I got a lot of stuff going on behind the meat counter for years at Siler's Market. Got a lot done. But that's what it takes. I got to shut this off before we run out of room and then I got to go to the old school. Omar, I want to go back because I didn't clarify that. But your grandma probably, you know, has that gifting. I'm not saying she was using it for the, for 